So, uh, yeah, Jack's asked if we'll talk a little bit about healings and miracles and signs and wonders and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> how long have we got? <laughs> what I'd like to do um, this morning, uh, I want to share a few stories with you. Some of them you may have heard before. Um, some of them you may not. I, I don't apologize for sharing the same stories more than once. Because I often read stories that my Lord has told more than once. So I don't think we need to worry about that. Um, So I want to share one or two stories. And then I want to share some thoughts from the Word. And then I'd like to pray. So that's really where I'd like to go in the next um, two and a half hours. (laughs) Sorry, um, 25 minutes, that was what I meant to say. (laughs) But before I do that, I just want to say, I believe this. Every word of it. And you know, this is the word of God. This, this is not the word of Moses or the word of David or the word of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, or Paul or Timothy or Titus or anybody else. This is the word of God. And I believe it. Because I believe every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Sometimes that's difficult. Because sometimes there's bits in here, I'm not going to lie, there's bits in here I find a bit tough. But, you see, I have a limitation. It's called my humanity. I, I only have a finite mind. I mean, the human mind is remarkable. But it is finite. Yet the one who wrote this is infinite. And so, you know, it is not possible for a human mind to fully comprehend the infinite God. We can only know in part at this stage. And so I'm I'm content with that, that where there are bits that I don't understand, it doesn't mean this is wrong. It simply means I don't understand. And, you know, there are lots of things I don't understand. Women. No, did I say that out loud? You misheard me. I said quantum physics. (laughs) Is there a back door? (laughs) Brain surgery. I don't understand these things. There's, There's lots of things I don't understand. It doesn't mean that they're not true. Just because we don't understand the fullness of everything written in here does not mean it's not true. But we live in a world which says, unless I understand it, unless I can control it, then it's not true. Somehow our world has lost a sense of awe, reverence, and mystery. I believe we need to regain that. And I believe worship does that as well. As we come to the Lord in worship, as we were worshipping this morning, thank you for leading us. I was so profoundly aware of the presence of God. And I didn't want this to stop. And it's when we, when we accept that every word in here is true, when we accept that God is beyond our knowing, and when we accept that we can know the God that is beyond our knowing, that we can begin to say, okay, The things, therefore, that might seem impossible, 
Maybe I need to reconsider that. And I might not understand. And sometimes I might ask him to do things and he doesn't. And sometimes I might not ask him to do things and he does. But hallelujah, he is God and we are not. So that's where I want to go this morning. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with telling you some stories. And then I'm going to read the word of God and then I'm going to share one or two thoughts and then we're going to pray. So I want to tell you some stories. These are things that I've seen over the last few years. I'm going uh, in a couple of weeks on a mission trip to India again. I've uh, been a number of times to India. It's been a, an enormous privilege to go to India. And I, I, I said when I spoke recently somewhere, I've seen more healings and miracles in India than anywhere else I've been to. And Rachel said to me afterwards, well, of course you have. You've been there more times. So <laughs> she's so right. <laughs> I may have told this story before about a lady uh, in India. I was there with a pastor, Pastor Raju, uh, who actually I'm going to be with in two weeks. And Pastor Raju said to me at the one, of, one of the end of the, one of our evening meetings, he says, would you come and pray for a lady in one of my churches? He, he oversees 22, 23 churches. And most of them are churches of you know, 15, 20 people, and they're in very rural communities. They are the world's poorest people. You will be aware that in India there is still a caste system, and the lowest caste is the Dalits. Well, what you might not be aware of is that there is another group of people that are below that, that are not even regarded as human, therefore they're not included in the caste system. And they're called the tribals. And they, historically, their ancestors moved from India to Africa, intermarried with people in Africa, were rejected, therefore, in Africa, came back to India and were rejected there. And they are the most beautiful people. And yet they're not even regarded as human, so they're not part of the caste system. And so Raju has a a number of churches with the tribals. And they're just the most incredible, humble, gentle, beautiful people. And this particular evening we've been sharing the gospel with them and many had come to the Lord. And Raju said, would you come to one of the churches? There's a lady who's very sick. I'd like you to pray for her. So I said, yep, love to do that. So he took me to her home. Uh, it was a village which basically was about the size of this room and it was just wooden poles with tarpaulin over the top. And in that space there was something like 80 to 100 people living. The stench was horrific. But at the front there was a, a raffia bed, sort of six inch, eight inches high. And on it was what I thought as I walked towards it was a corpse. So my sort of immediate reaction was, Raju, you said she was unwell. But, you know, you could have told me she was dead. And she wasn't, but she was exceptionally ill. And her body was twisted. And as I walked towards her, I became profoundly aware of the presence of evil. And as we were aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit, as we were worshipping, you can also sense the opposite. You can sense evil spirits. And in his grace, the Lord showed me that there were five demons in this woman. And so I said to my team, I said, stand at a slight distance and pray in tongues for all you are worth. Because we're going into battle. 
And so I heard them praying in tongues, and I went over to this lady, and I started to pray in tongues, and she started to thrash around on the bed. And suddenly, the, one of the demons within her spoke to me. I found out later that the demon spoke in Telugu, the local language, but I answered in English, because I heard what he said, but it was spirit to spirit. I understood what he was saying. He was telling me that he was going to kill me, and he was telling me in graphic detail how. So I fairly firmly told him to be quiet and to shut up and that he was not going to kill me and that Jesus was victorious. The pastor afterwards asked me when I learnt Telugu. Um, I said, why? (laughs) So he explained that he understood English and Telugu and he translated. So I prayed for her. I told the demons where to go, literally, where to go. I ordered them where to go, banished them back to where they came from. And two of them left, sorry, three of them left immediately. Two were a little bit stronger. They didn't want to go. And so uh, when you could see with screaming some of them coming out, my team got quite excited and said, oh, great. I said, no, 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 they're not finished yet. So when the last two came out, this woman's body came up off the bed and slammed back down again and just lay lifeless. Now, many of you know that in certain cultures around the world, there are what's called professional mourners. Usually women who scream and wail at the top of their voice. The moment someone dies, they are triggered. They began. (laughs) And the crowd that had already gathered around about 30 people got significantly larger because the volume of these mourners attracted attention. And of course, when someone dies in the community, everyone comes out. Well, she wasn't dead. And I explained to them, she's not dead. Please be quiet. There's a story where Jesus said that once and people laughed at him. That happened to me. (laughs) Only this time, with Jesus she was dead, with this one she wasn't. And so I took her by the hand. And I said to her, sit up. And instantly, her arms unfurled. She grabbed my hand, pulled herself up, and swung herself round, and her legs straightened. And she was sat on the edge of the bed. And I called Raju over and got him to translate and ask her, does she know Jesus? And she, she said to me, yes, two years ago, I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, uh, what happened? She says, the following day, my mother-in-law, who was a Hindi, cursed me. And she said, from that day forward, I have not spoken and I have been crippled. She says, but now I am free. So I said to her, would you like to stand up? She says, I don't have the strength. I said, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And she stood up. And she walked. And the wailing turned to celebration. And we gave them the gospel. And Jesus was glorified. Isn't God good? Let's give him glory. Just to finish that story off, the next day... Your clocks go very fast here. The next day, I said to Raju, we're going off somewhere else, I said, can we go back and visit her? Because I need to tell you, confession time, overnight I thought, did I imagine that? Did it really happen? Or or maybe actually, it was a bit of auto-suggestion, and you know, in the, the, the kind of emotion of the moment, she was fine, but she'll be back in her poor, wretched state again. I didn't confess that bit to Raju, I just said I'd like to go and see her. When we got to the next day, 
her body was back to full normal size. There was flesh on the bones and muscles on the legs. And when we arrived, she ran out to greet me and hugged me. I went back a year later and she did the same again. And she is still alive and well and praising Jesus every day. She's quite an evangelist. But then she's got a good story to tell. Last time I was in India, we went to a different group, again with Raju actually. And uh, we did a night meeting, so you have to have permission to share the gospel. You have to get permission from the local uh, authorities to do an evangelistic meeting, and we managed to get permission to do so. And you do it with very loud speakers, so whether people like it or not, in the whole community they hear it. And so you have some worship, and then you preach. You're expected to preach for at least an hour, just saying. (laughs) Uh, And then you pray for the sick. And uh, usually what happens is after you've preached... Your, your translator, I've only discovered this after several trips that this is what they're saying. They say, everyone who comes will be healed. We promise that you will be healed. <laughs> so I'm now telling them not to say that. I don't think we can promise that. Because the number of times I've prayed for people and they're not healed. But I do know this, the more we pray for people, the more people are healed. So this chap came. And he was there, an old gentleman, I don't know how old he was, but genuinely he looked about 900. Little old man. And uh, he came forward, and it was in a line of people. We prayed for several people. And uh, this chap came forward, and through my translator, I asked him repeatedly what he'd come forward for prayer for. Didn't get anything. He just copied everybody else in the queue and stood there like that. And then I felt Holy Spirit say to me, he's not answering because he's deaf. And I've just preached the gospel for an hour. And he's not heard a word of it. And so I lay my hands on his ears and just commanded healing and instantaneously, instantaneously, he was in pain because actually suddenly he could hear. Turns out he had been born deaf. And, and I don't know how old he was, but he was a very old man. And instantly he was healed and actually it was quite painful for him. But of course if you imagine an old man that's never heard anyone speak, he doesn't know what they're saying. He doesn't understand. And so we began to talk to him, but of course he didn't understand, because he'd never heard anyone speak before. So we prayed for understanding. And he began to speak. He'd never spoken before. And so he told us about Jesus. (laughs) Who had just met with him. And even though he could not hear, he could not speak, in that meeting Jesus spoke to him directly, And he gave his heart to the Lord. Isn't God good? (laughs) Amazes me every time I think of some of these things. First trip to India, I was asked to take a a pastor's conference. We have 500 pastors in the room. And uh, I was jolly nervous. Because, you know, you know what pastors are like. And, uh, yeah, we had some worship. And unlike our worship today, I did not sense the presence of God. And I began to unpack the word of God and I was looking around the room and I thought, not quite sure who's died, but it feels like I am. You know, it was just lifeless in the room. I thought, oh, this is no good. We need to just stop and ask Holy Spirit to come. So I said to the 500 pastors, I'm just going to stop and invite Holy Spirit to come join us. Let's stand. So they all stood up. And I just asked Holy Spirit to come in the room and touch everybody in the room. 
and holy chaos broke out. Some of them fell down, but every single one of them, without exception, started to speak in tongues. So I thought, hallelujah, great, Holy Spirit's here, that's good, atmosphere felt different. And uh, then, you know, after I managed to regain control of the meeting, which took quite some doing, they all sat back down again, their faces looked different, and I preached the word of God, and then invited them forward for prayer, and we were there ages praying for them. In the car afterwards, my translator said, um, what I didn't say to you before the meeting, by the way, is there were a bunch of conservative evangelicals who do not believe in the Holy Spirit. They are opposed to gifts of the Spirit. They do not believe in the gift of tongues. They do not believe in prophecy and they do not believe in healing. He says, that's why I invited you. He says, and that's why I didn't tell you beforehand. (laughs) Thanks. I'm actually very grateful he didn't tell me. Because had had he told me, I would have probably rightly respected that. And, and preached the, you know, the word of God, but wouldn't have gone down the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them. And it made sense then of why several of them who did speak English came up to me afterwards and said, I'm going to have to go and teach my church differently now. So you see, it's 500 pastors, each of them leading churches, who now are hearing the full gospel and not a watered-down version of it. Hallelujah. We were once in uh, Mozambique with my son, he was 15 at the time. And we were guarding the camp while everyone else had gone off down to the beach. And this boy who um, was outcast by the rest of the village uh, because he was deaf, uh, mute and blind. And his eyes were rolled back so all he could see were the whites of his eyes. And his, his tummy was distended, you know. And the children, the other children threw stones at him and he walked around with a stick. And Sam, my son, as this lad was sort of wandering around, said, Hey dad, let's go heal the boy. Because, you know, we've been taught by Heidi Baker that morning that Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. He said, she, she, Jesus said, heal the sick. So um, I said, okay, Sam, so, yeah, we can go pray for him. <laughs> And he said, no, 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 Dad, that's not what I said. He says, let's go heal him. So you don't want to burst the bubble of a 15-year-old that's on fire for Jesus, do you? So I thought, well, I, I know what to do. I said, I tell you what, Sam, you do it. Genius. So we went over and Sam laid hands on the boy and started to command healing. And obviously nothing happened. And so uh, I, I, we prayed, and then after five minutes of praying, I did what you know any self-respecting pastor would do, and spoke blessing over the child, which kind of basically means this is over. You know, when someone pronounces the blessing at the end of a meeting, it's supposed to be to bless you, but really it's to mean it's time for coffee. <laughs> and so I declared blessing over the boy, and, and Samuel was having none of this. He said, Dad, <laughs> you may give up. But I am not giving up until this boy is healed. So he said, we pray in tongues until it's done. At this point, a lady from the team came and joined us as well. And we prayed in tongues over this boy for 40 minutes. And my faith got less and less as we went on. And Samuel's faith got more and more as we went on. 
And after 40 minutes, when I hadn't got an ounce of faith left in my body, this boy began to shake violently. And as he shook, his eyes popped back into place. And he could see perfectly. And then we carried on, suddenly filled with faith. (laughs) And about 10 minutes later, he began to speak. And his first words, as he shouted out, were, Mama. He called for his mother, and somebody went and called his mother. And 30 seconds later, his mother appeared screaming with joy. And the first thing he did was ask her for some food. (laughs) Then you knew the boy was well. (laughs) And we fed him. We gave him some chocolate, actually. I'm not sure whether that was the best thing to do, but that's all we'd got. And when the, the rest of our team came back from the beach with all the children, the children started to throw stones at him again. Of course, that's what they'd always done. But we managed to stop them. And he began to tell them what Jesus had done for him. And the next day as we drove off, I remember looking at the back of the bus to see him playing football with the other boys. Isn't God good? One more. This is not a healing. Um, this is a miracle, I think. Uh, Rachel and I were at um, Soul Survivor, um, the, the youth conference, youth event, a few years back. And uh, we, we'd gone, I think, uh, I think our youth worker had moved on or something, so we'd, we'd gone to help with the team. And uh, I was sat with the boys, and Rachel was sat sort of 30 feet behind me with the girls. We've got a big group. Um, but we weren't sat together, that's the important point. And Mike Pilavarchi was on the platform, and he said, I've got a word he says, for, uh, not for the youth, he says, but for some people here, he says, who I believe are senior pastors. He says, and particularly those of you that are here as married couples who lead churches together, there's two or three of you in the room that need to stand up now. I've got a word for you. Well, I wasn't sat next to Rachel to say, shall we stand? What do you think? So I thought, well, I'll just stay where I am then. Rachel was sat behind me saying, Lord, we need to stand, but I'm not next to Chris, and I'm not standing unless he does, and he's obviously not moving. Get him to stand up. Well, I didn't. So Mike Pilavachi issued the call again, and he said, there's still some more that need to stand up. And Rachel was saying, Lord, get him to stand up. And I didn't. And uh, then he just said to everybody, just close your eyes, and I'm going to pray. At that point, we all closed our eyes, and Rachel thought, well, blow it, I'm going to stand up even if he doesn't. So she stood up, but what she didn't know was at that point, so did I stand up. But we also both opened our eyes to discover we were standing next to each other. And I didn't move and she didn't move. We just both stood up. And we were instantaneously stood next to each other. Our youth afterwards said, how did that happen? (laughs) I don't have an answer to that. But I believe it was God. And I think it's an interesting point. Because he moved me physically. Because it's me moving back to where Rachel was. But I think it was more than that. He was saying it was a prophetic action He was saying to me, she didn't need to move. She was in the right place. He was saying to me, you need to move and stand alongside this woman of God who is in the right place. And I don't know if I've ever actually told you that, but that's what I believe was happening. I'm so blessed. No going back. back. (laughs) Yeah, I've said it now. (laughs) With witnesses. Now, I do realise that those stories I've told, bear in mind they happen over a period of years, by the way. That's not, that's not last week's stories. <laughs> that's over many, many years, those stories I've told. I do realise that not everybody experiences stories like that. 
And I do realize, you know, that I'm a pastor and, you know, people can say, well, it's because you're a pastor. That's nonsense. Sorry. Absolute rot. It's because I believe this is true. And it's because I'm willing to step out and say, God, I don't understand it. There's more I don't understand than I do understand. But I believe. Yet will I believe. And I want to read these verses from Philippians. It says this, Philippians 2, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, Oh, and do we have encouragement from being united with Christ? If any comfort from his love, we prayed earlier for people who need his comfort and his love. If any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, I want fellowship with the Holy Spirit. If any tenderness and compassion, it is compassion that drives us to want to see people healed. The Greek word is splagnitsomai. It is my favorite Greek word other than kebab. But if you have compassion, that's what drives you to want to see people healed. That's what drove Jesus to want to be healed. If you have those things, then, Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others to be better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is the foundation. If we want to see God at work in other people's lives, it's got to be not because we want to have stories to tell that might make us look good. I don't ever want to tell a story that makes me look good. I only want to tell stories that make him look good. And it needs to be that actually I am so moved by compassion for the person in front of me that has a very real need that I know I cannot address, but I know the one who can. That has to be our driving force. Then your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who? Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to grasp. Literally, the translation is, despite the fact that he was God, he did not want to cling to his divinity. But he made himself nothing. He gave it all up. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now as I unpack the scripture in the next 30 seconds, I simply want to say this. So often we read about the life of Jesus and we read the Gospels and we read what Jesus did. And we fall into the trap 
of thinking, well, yes, but he was Jesus. And he's God. And therefore he can do anything. And I can't do those things because I'm not God. All of that is true except for one bit. The I can't do those bits. Because Jesus, whilst here on earth, had chosen not to grasp his divinity. Therefore, whilst on earth, Jesus was fully human. Who remembers the Ready Breck adverts? So I remember as I grew up, grew up watching the television and seeing the Ready Breck adverts. And, and you, you, the children who ate Ready Breck had the Ready Breck glow. Do you remember that? And you'd see the children in their school uniforms with this orange glow around them going off to school. And those that hadn't had Ready Breck shivering and looking terribly miserable. And, you know, that you have to have Ready Breck because it gives you this glow. I think we sometimes have this image of Jesus in our minds as though he's got some sort of divine Ready Breck glow. That he doesn't really walk, he sort of floats six inches above the ground and, you know, if he walked through mud he wouldn't actually get his feet dirty. And He was fully human. And we need to grasp the reality of that. Because if that is true, and it has to be because it says it in here, that means that whilst Jesus was on earth, he was no different from you and me. That means that all of the things we read about him doing, he could only do because he was dependent on the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus had the Holy Spirit within him from the moment of his conception because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. When we are born again, at that moment we have Holy Spirit within us. But when Jesus was baptized, even though Holy Spirit was in him from his conception, when he was baptized, Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him. Holy Spirit hadn't left him. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. But God the Father knew that his Son, in full human form, needed the anointing of Holy Spirit to accomplish the things on earth that he was going to do for the glory of God. We as Christians, the moment we declare that Jesus is Lord, have Holy Spirit within us. But we need the Holy Spirit's anointing upon us. And I tell you, with all the authority of heaven, with the anointing of Holy Spirit, you and I can do everything that Jesus did. And according to him, we can do even greater things than these because he has sent his Holy Spirit. John chapter 14. And so I believe that we are living in days where God is about to move in greater power in the earth than he has ever done before. We have seen great revivals over the last 150 years particularly. But what we are about to see will eclipse them all. And it is beginning. And it is not for the millennial generation alone. It is for every man, woman and child that says yes to Jesus. And that means you. And that means me. And I believe that if you are open to receive it, right here, right now, God wants to impart a Holy Spirit anointing to enable us 
to do the greater things that Jesus referred to. To lay hands on the sick and expect that we'll see many of them healed. Not to be put down in our faith when some of them aren't, but to carry on trusting. To speak truth into people's lives. To declare the gospel and maybe to do that in places where we've seen no fruit for 40 years. But believe that suddenly we're going to see something different. Many of you in this room have children, grandchildren who do not know the Lord and you pray for them daily. I'm believing for a season of renewed favour in those prayers and many testimonies of actually, do you know what? I don't know what's changed, but suddenly my niece, my nephew, my son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter, they're suddenly showing an interest. They're suddenly coming back to the Lord. Prodigals are going to come back. And I'm believing for a mighty move of the Spirit. And I believe he's wanting to use us. Every one of us. You see, Rachel and I are 50 later this year. And I don't believe it's just for those at Jack's age. It is for them. But so often we say, God is raising up another generation. And what we mean is, hallelujah, I don't have to do it. I love Jack and Alice. They have an incredible calling. But there are people that you can reach that they can't. There are people that they can reach that we can't. It requires all of us. Because Jesus is coming back. And we want to take as many people with us when he comes as we possibly can. If you'd like to receive, I'd love you just to sit in the stillness for a moment. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would breathe your spirit into this room right now. Lord, you know that many of us feel unworthy to receive from you. But I pray that you would banish that thought because it is a lie of the enemy. You know that many of us feel as though our faith is insufficient. Would you remind us that you are standing at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, and that you believe in us. Many of us focus upon our inabilities and our weakness. Would you remind us of the truth of the word of God? 
which says, I can do all things through Christ who puts his power within me. Spirit of God, would you come now with a new anointing? Thank you for all we have seen. Thank you for all you have done in our lives, in the life of this church and the other churches represented here. We thank you. But in this year, 2020, we're asking you for a new anointing. That which has previously taken months, let it take days. That which has taken days, let it take hours. I speak supernatural acceleration over every single one of you in this room right now. I speak the favor of God over you right now. I speak new anointing upon your existing gifts and I speak new gifting. Specifically, a release of the prophetic in this room at a level beyond which you have never known before. And I say that some of you will start to speak things out and not even realize you're being prophetic, but you'll be in conversations with people and they will say, how did you know that? I speak a release of gifts of healing. That as you pray for people, either by laying hands on them directly or praying from them for them from afar, you will hear stories and testimonies, the likes of which you never thought possible. And I speak salvation over all of us, over our families, over our households, over our neighbours, over our friends. And I speak the favor of God in every realm. And the peace of Jesus to reign supreme. And Lord, will you fill every one of us with the gift of faith to believe not only that you can do these things, but you can do them through each of us. And you will. And so we offer ourselves afresh to you right now. And with Isaiah we say, here am I. Send me. In the name of Jesus. Amen.